This program is presented by Hunter's Fund, formed in memory of Hunter Watson, a young entrepreneur who died at age 20 as a passenger in a distracted driving accident. Hunter's Fund seeks to support young people with promising ideas and to raise awareness of the dangers of distracted driving. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Yes Series podcast. I'm your host, Jacob O'Connor. Today joining us is the Hunter Watson Entrepreneurial Award winner, Justin Diaz. Justin is a man of many talents, but perhaps most notably the founder of Eco Bamboo Living. How are you doing today, Justin? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Living another day, you know, grateful to be here and crushing it out, you know. So it came up, you know, offline whenever we were talking that you are not actually living, you're from New York and that's where you typically reside, but right now you are in Colorado. So I thought it was pretty interesting if you could share why you're there. Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, being from New York, I got this opportunity, you know, from Syracuse University to attend the Watson Institute, which is an accelerator program, helping me basically accelerate my social venture, uh, Eco Bamboo Living. So I'm here for a semester, taking leave, and then I'll return for the spring. But first, I kind of want to go back into your background a little bit, into your past, and kind of analyze, like, how did you even get to this point, right? Like, who even is Justin Diaz? So if you could share a little bit about your background, what you think kind of led up to this moment in time. I was uh, born in St. Vincent Hospital, Manhattan, raised by my grandmother and my mother in um, Brooklyn, Ridgewood, and, um, you know, Growing up a little bit was a little tough for my mom and I because, you know, she couldn't really afford adequate housing for us. So, you know, we were probably bouncing from home to home, time to time. And uh, it was tough for a little bit. And then my grandmother, she she blessed us with a with an apartment in her building in Manhattan. So for the majority of my life, I lived in the Lower East Side and, you know, growing up in, in a sort of a notorious neighborhood, you know, drugs, violence, all that, gang members. Really, you know, I, I wanted to do different from what I was used to seeing. And I started playing basketball. That's where, you know, my life started heading into a, a brighter direction, being, you know, from middle school, going to to high school, you know, playing during those times. I was blessed enough to to attend a boarding school um, called the Kiski School, my second, ninth grade year, because I Took a, I did the, my first ninth grade year in New York City at one of the worst high schools called Murray Bertram. Um, and I was just like, wow, this is not where I'm supposed to be. You know, I'm not like none of these kids. I'm not selling drugs, you know, I don't do fights, you know. So I was on top of my grade A student. Um, so I needed a change and I was blessed with an opportunity to, to be affiliated with the Boys Club in New York, um, where they helped me, you know, achieving higher education through their program called ISP. And I took their courses for summer and, you know, they prepared me for the prep school um, sort of SAT, which is called SSAT, which is the weirdest thing ever, um, to get into these, you know, higher educated um, institutions or, you know, boarding schools. And um, I was fortunate enough to, to get a pretty much a full ride to the Kiski School and all boys independent school out in um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, played basketball there. Unfortunately, I didn't get recruited, but, um, you know, I learned a lot, built a lot, seen new things, and was able to experience the world, uh, a world that I never thought I could potentially see. That eventually led me to uh, going to Syracuse University and um, being a part of uh, HOP, Higher Educational Opportunity Program, which provides uh, financial support for uh, low-income families, uh, predominantly in New York State, who live in New York State. That's when I was like really interested in creating a business for myself and, uh, you know, getting a taste of entrepreneurship. I asked my counselor 
where can I speak to somebody within my university to potentially build a, a, a business or, you know, talk about entrepreneurship? Because I have no clue what it was. You know, I was just curious at the time. And um, he invited me to the launch pad. And I met this wonderful lady called Linda Hartsocht. And, you know, she paved the way for me. And, you know, basically one day told me, we sat down. I was like, hey, look, I'm interested in starting a business. I just don't know where to start. Like, this is new to me, you know. And she just gave me the advice to, you know, in a piece of paper or in a notebook, write down everything you are wanting to do in life. And, you know, I was at that point, I was putting, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be an actor. I want to tackle climate change. I want to get into real estate. I don't want to work nine to five and everything like that. So I was like, okay. I went to her a couple of days after, after my whole list of everything that um, I wanted to do in life. And she was like, okay. There was a teapot across from us, and I never forget this. She was like, you see that water in the teapot? You have to boil the water in the teapot. Don't try to boil the ocean. I was like, okay, whatever that meant, you know. Uh, a couple of days later, you know, I was in my room, searching up some things, looking at my notes. I was like, okay, how can I potentially put real estate and climate change together? I literally searched up on Google. I was like, how can I substitute a material that is sustainable in housing? And there was a list of about 30. I remember the first two was hemp and straw. And number seven, number seven is my lucky number because um, everybody in my household was born in the month of July. And number seven had to happen to be bamboo. So I was like, okay, you know, let me just see what this is about. The research was phenomenal, finding out that bamboo um, is primarily big outside of the United States, South America, Asia. A lot of universities are doing um, research on engineered bamboo as a building material because its properties, you know, comparable to steel and concrete is considered a poor man's timber. So I wanted to give back in the sense of, you know, people, low-income families uh, who didn't have an opportunity to housing uh, to provide that for them in a way that's sustainable, that can withstand these natural disasters, especially like in Puerto Rico, um, because I'm Puerto Rican and Dominican and um, Hurricane Irene really took a toll on the island of Puerto Rico. And um, from that point on, I really wanted to make a difference and try to see how I can sort of manipulate this um, material into building a full bamboo home for these families where it can withstand these natural disasters and, you know, don't, don't have that, that burden on them when it comes again or if it comes again. Well, I mean, you took a very large risk. I mean, what went into this decision to drop school for a semester, go out to Colorado, run with this accelerator and try and push your business forward? Like that, that couldn't have been too easy of a decision to make. No, it wasn't at all. Um, you know, uh, during COVID, I was going through a really rough time uh, with school, you know, doing the hybrid system, going online. I'm very, I'm, I'm very much a hands-on learner. So, you know, uh, I felt like I needed some time to one, refresh myself and two, and focus on something that I'm really passionate about and focus on on making an impact, you know, to, to not even the world, just, you know, one person. Uh, my, my life's mission is just, you know, if I can build a concept home for, for an individual in Puerto Rico or wherever and put a smile on a, on a family or individual's face, you know, I, I would feel complete. You know, it doesn't even have to go beyond that. Just knowing that I had that impact on someone's life and, um, you know, bringing something new into the market potentially, you know, I, I, feel, I, feel, I feel accomplished. That's incredible. And you're just getting started too. Um, is, are these full-size bamboo houses or are they tiny homes? So yeah, um, I'm working on modular tiny homes. Um, eventually I do wanna uh, expand to tiny home communities. I, community is a big part of me. 
Um, I feel like, you know, if we have people around us that are similar, you know, things, infinite things can happen, you know, infinite things can be explored. And, and I'm very, very, very close with my community everywhere I go, you know, I try to give back in any way I can, wherever I'm at. Have you, have, have you actually been able to build out any of the houses yet? Or are you still figuring out some of the logistics? Definitely still figuring out the logistics, you know, talking to researchers or making sure I'm giving the customers what they want and not what I think they want. Um, speaking with a lot of people um, in Colorado, this is a pretty tiny home friendly state. Mm-hmm. So communities that I'm reaching out to so I can connect with some of the tiny homeowners and speak, of, uh, speak on behalf of what they love about a tiny home, what they feel like needs improvement. Um, you know, would they want something like this, you know, a sustainable bamboo home, you know, at the end of the day, it's not what I want and what my dreams are is what they want. And if I can give them what they want and need, essentially, that's all that matters. Not to put you on the spot, but if you get these things rolling out, are you going to live in one? Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, I'm actually looking for, I'm looking to create also a for-profit branch with um, my company. The, 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 no, the donations and getting donors of grants, you know, grant writing for these tiny homes for the low-income families. Um, I also sort of want to, you know, use the town model uh, per, per se, where I build like more high-end, luxurious bamboo homes and use the percentage or use some of the proceeds to, to donate um, a home to a family in need, you know, um, one, not for me, but, you know, for them and also for, to, get, to allow people to give an impact in a way they never thought they could. That's incredible. Just the the business model itself is fascinating, but the social arm that you have as well, I can only imagine that, that that's advantageous for getting people to want to help you because you're not just driven by growing this yourself. I mean, what haven't you done? You played basketball at a very high level. You are now doing entrepreneurship with the Eco Bamboo Living. And it also came up whenever I was talking to you that you're an actor. Like, where does that even come from? <laughs> Before I started playing basketball, like in fourth grade, fifth grade, um, I was very big into theater. I was a part of Rosie's Broadway Kids. I was a part of NDI in my, my elementary school. And I really fell in love with that. You know, I used to do public speaking at that very uh, young age. And I just fell in love. But gradually, you know, as I grew older, I fell in love with basketball. And that took me where I am, you know, currently today. It made me the man I am today. You know, the, the beautiful people I met along the way. Some of my mentors, Glenn Williams, um, Tim Burns, you know, they, they, they said they they were father figures for me as I was growing up. Um, they paved the way. They showed me lessons in life. And, you know, I'm humbly and grateful for them every step of the way um, because they were really big trainers and very known in the basketball world and community within New York. So, yeah, after I graduated high school, not playing Division One basketball, or any division basketball, unfortunately, um, I was lost. And I was like, hey, like, what am I going to do with my life? And there was a, there was a, there's another mentor of mine um, named Freddie Bosch. He happened to tell me, you know, follow your inner child. And at that point, I had no clue what that meant. I was like, inner child? What you mean? I'm an adult now. I'm like 18. I'm no, I'm no child. Um, he was like, just listen to within. And, you know, he's giving me these little cliche, like, um, phrases. And I was just like, okay, whatever that means. And then one day, you know, I was passing through a theater class um, in my school. And I was like watching it. I was like, wow, this is like really great. But I wouldn't want to do theater. You know what I mean? And I was like, how can I get involved? And I totally forgot that there's film. There's like a film world. 
And I was like, okay, cool. I was like, maybe I should try that out. I was seeing some auditions on the board, the bulletin board and all that, but I just didn't know where to start. And thankfully my mentor, Freddie Bosch, who was also became like a brother to me, an older brother to me, he, he was in Hollywood, you know, doing some stuff and acting and he guided away from me and um, paved the way. And I was blessed to, to, to connect with my alum office at the Kiski School and get in connection with David Conrad, who's also a big Hollywood uh, um, star back in the days. Um, and they just helped me, one, get my SAG card um, for people who don't know what a SAG is. A SAG actor is a union actor, you know, with these professionals, these big celebrities are within the union um, to, you know, protect their rights. And yeah, just from that moment on, um, learning about how to get in the acting world, how to act in general, um, it just stuck with me because I fell in love with it. It, it allowed me to, to get away from the world when I was, you know, being in a character or, you know, having similarities to a character and, you know, being in front of that camera just felt like I was in a different planet and it still feels, uh, you know, phenomenal to be in those positions and work with uh, high, high celebrities or, you know, big people who are working their way up in the industry as well. Um, yeah, so it just stuck with me. You know, I was booking left and right at a time before COVID happened and um, built a resume, got agents, got a manager, and I'm just keeping at it and hope, hoping for the best, you know, eventually what I want to do with my acting career is, you know, when I get to that certain level I'm, re I'm, I'm reaching for, I want to voice what I'm passionate about. I want to voice eco. I want to, you know, build homes for these families and I want people to support me. So I think a lot of people, I mean, first of all, super impressive. I think a lot of people look at it and say, okay, you got acting and then entrepreneurship and they don't like go together. They almost distract from each other. It sounds like you're making the point of no acting is an outlet to almost plug what I'm doing in entrepreneurship and kind of get that message out there. Is that correct? Yes, for sure. Um, I'm social, I'm sort of a social media head, you know, not to brag or anything, but like on my Instagram, my TikTok, I have over 10,000 followers and uh, my YouTube, I have 1,000, you know, I'm almost close to monetizing my account. So social media has been a big uh, part of my life. And I feel like social media is a big part of, you know, our culture now. And, you know, to get anything that you want, out of life or you want a voice for it begins with social media to for people to see what you're doing and see and for people to see what you're passionate about and as you know acting is, is sort of a gateway you know if once you hit a higher level that people are just ready to back you up in any way and you know i want to i want to be that positive influence and i want to shine a light on you know sustainability on in housing climate change and those important topics that we're not talking well, we are talking about it, but we're not talking about it enough now today. I have one more. Actually, I got two questions for you. The first one's quick. Where can people find you online if they want to connect, learn more, ask you some questions? Yeah, definitely. You can find me on LinkedIn, Justin Diaz. Uh, or you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, at Justin G-O Diaz. There's J-U-S-T-I-N-G-I-O-D-I-A-Z. What advice would you offer to anyone who might be at the beginning of kind of their cycle that you went through? They have an entrepreneurial kind of vein in them and they, they want to do something like that. Some crazy idea. They don't have that confirmation yet. What advice would you offer to that person knowing what you know now? Yeah, definitely. My first piece of advice would definitely be to definitely don't reach, don't be afraid to reach out to anybody. No, no question is dumb. And I definitely learned that 
along my journey as I'm still trying to figure out my, my logistics within my company. I'm just interviewing and asking away like it's water. Um, no question is dumb. No question is too simple. No question is too complex. Someone knows the answer out there. And it, once you keep on connecting and growing your network, the answers will get answered. And um, a big part of Watson is like um, a part, well, the first part of our semester is all about making your unknowns known. And um, that's what I strive for in life, you know, not just within my company, but in life as well. If I don't know something, I'm going to go ask for it. And, you know, having that courage to go out there and ask for it, you know. Support from viewers like you make these grants possible. Support Hunter's Fund 